Welcome to the DGR Podcast. I'm your host, David Gray. here hope you are doing well i'm going to record a solo podcast today i have some questions that people have asked me and i'm going to try and answer them so um three or four questions we're going to talk about a postural one sway back posture what it means and um what maybe you can do about it we're going to talk about <laughs> someone asked me who would i bring on a, on the desert island so my generic question i'm going to talk about some uh, important skills for instagram which i was asked and um, some podcast stuff and some other stuff along the way. So hope you enjoy. Um, I'm just actually going to get stuck straight in. Uh, no, I'm not. I'll give you a bit of an update as to where I am with my life at the moment. Things are going pretty well. Summer is coming in. The weather is getting nice. And we're getting married on the 9th of June, which is in six to seven weeks now. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I have lost a few pounds over the last six seven eight weeks probably i went off chocolate and uh, i managed to stay off chocolate for lent which was a big achievement for me i tried to go off alcohol and actually i did pretty well i i drank once i think just on patrick's day but i didn't do the dog on it either so that wasn't too bad and uh, i tried to go off bread and i failed I probably cut down 50 percent on my bread but i just realized i eat bread with everything and we started to have barbecues and the lads were eating a burger like having a beef burger from a barbecue with mayonnaise and cheese and lettuce and tomato and not putting it in a bun (laughs) I just couldn't so it was just like give me that burger so failed with bread but still cut down succeeded with chocolate and I don't drink that much anyway but yeah I drank once so not too bad there so even just that I lost like half a stone um maybe a little bit less and just by walking a little bit more so that was a a good result and then i probably need to lose another six or seven pounds before the wedding and um yeah i'll get back to i'm getting i've gotten back running a bit more and um i'm enjoying it actually so i never usually ran unless there was a ball involved or someone else i could hit off but i've been doing a, a little bit of running like three four five k a couple of days a week and yeah it's been it's been pretty good so i've been enjoying that and um and yeah, so that's that's the story. Getting ready for the for the wedding. I usually don't get too excited about things. I just like when I get there, I'm like, oh, this is great, and now I enjoy it. And then before it, I don't think about it much, and after it, I don't think about it much. But no, I am getting excited for this. Sold my car to pay for the wedding, so I'm now carless. And um, also, we're pretty busy because we're planning a trip too. So we're gonna have a busy, busy summer. We have the wedding in June, our wedding. So it's not just like one day, you know, it's, it's a week coming up to a week after it, this kind of thing. July, we have a friend's wedding in Italy. Shout out to Weens, the man with the big nose. <laughs> I, hope, I hope he listens. I know he doesn't listen, but one of the other lads, Kiefer's, listens and he texts Weens. He'll text Weens to say that I, uh, that I mentioned him. So yeah, we have Weens' wedding in July. So we're going to go to Rome first. Then his wedding is um, in a place about an hour from Rome. Then we're going to go, I think, down to the Amalfi Coast for a week after that as well. So that's that's July. And then in August, we're going to go and teach a workshop in a private workshop in San Fran in the Bay Area for a, a clinic, clinic there. So I'm really looking forward to that two-day workshop. 
and then maybe we'll go and teach another workshop in the states we might go to miami i think to teach a workshop if we can um, or somewhere in florida to teach a workshop we've had a couple of people reach out to us about that and maybe new york or boston somewhere along there and then fly home so that's kind of late august early september so that's what we're planning for the next few months um if you want to come or you want to host us let me know but at the moment we're thinking what are we thinking we're thinking definitely definitely san fran we're going there to the workshop there that's a private one and then we're going to go to hopefully florida do a workshop there and do go to disneyland there and um hopefully then one in boston or new york or something but we were looking at texas but i don't think we'll do that so uh yeah so that's the summer and that's what we're getting ready for so questions first question my trainer said i am a sway back posture what should I do about it? And what does that mean? I wanted to answer this question. I get questions like this all the time, but I wanted to answer this question. First of all, screw that guy who said you are this. That wrecks my tits. That absolutely wrecks my head. And not just that's not just lip service about posture. It wrecks my head when people just say you are this and then you walk around with a label of that. It just wrecks my head. I have a client at the moment as well that came to me and one of the first things he said was, I am a sway back posture and I shouldn't be doing this and this, and I should be doing this and this. And like, I just said, fuck the guy that told you that you are that. We are, like, you can you can communicate things to people without actually saying you're this. So if I had a sway back posture, instead of saying you are a sway back posture, I would say, okay, looks like maybe, I would look at how they move and say, okay, looks like you maybe can't hinge that well. I'm gonna teach you to hinge and maybe your glutes are a bit tight. We're going we're gonna to get your glutes to start to load and open up and your hips to start to open up or whatever. You don't have to label someone. You don't have to. You can still work on their weaknesses without labeling them and saying you are this. So firstly, screw that. Secondly, here's, here's like what you should do about it. I am now just actually going to try and help you understand this a little bit better. Um, but like everyone isn't the same. So just to label everyone that looks in a certain way as sway, sway back posture. There is individual nuances and all of this stuff. So this is just generic, but traditionally, I think sway back posture, people would say that it is an, not, it's not an anterior tilt of the pelvis. You don't see the pelvis going forward and down in space. You see more of an anterior shift of the pelvis. So the pelvis actually pushes forward in space in front of maybe the rest of the body usually. So the pelvis just pushes forward and that can be associated then with usually more of a posterior tilt. So it goes, it just gets pushed forward in space and then the thorax kind of gets left behind. So what do you think about when someone gets their hips pushed forward in space? What is, what is one of the things that is pushing it forward is usually the stuff on the back of the pelvis. So people that present like that will usually have like pretty tight glutes, okay? Um, and they might not be, they definitely won't be able to hinge very well, definitely not at all. And they might not be able to squat very well either because sometimes when people start to, I, I don't want to use sway back possible, just when, when you see them like that and you test them, they might not be able to hinge or squat because they've lost probably a lot of hip flexion. So, so yeah, they just need to get back their hip flexion and they need to get their hips to stop pushing so far in front all of the time, all right? So there's nothing wrong with the hips pushing forward like that. We just, if we start there, we don't have much room to go and yeah, usually end up losing a lot of hip flexion with people like that, okay? So firstly, you need to learn to 
lengthen and load the glutes, actually lengthen them, not shorten the glutes, load the glutes, lengthen the glutes, all right? So uh, get the hips back. So that might mean doing a, a hinge, right? The second thing associated with that is as the, as the hips, as the pelvis gets pushed forward, the back of the pelvis gets kind of closed off and squeezed and all the stuff posterior on the hips and the glutes get squeezed, the thorax gets left behind. Often the chest will kind of slump down a little bit then and, um, and yeah, you won't see much chest expansion and you won't see them being able to get their pump handle to come up. So that chest expansion, getting the chest to open. So pelvis forward, chest back and down a little bit. And then what you might see is, sorry, I'm choking on my, my coffee um, and my chicken chili wrap. What you might see is a, a rectus abdominis. Uh, your abdominals, your rectus abdominis is kind of crunching and it's on quite a lot at the time. So if you're, if you're talking about starting someone with breathing drills or like getting control over the hips and the pelvis on the floor, supine isn't necessarily a bad option. So you lie someone on your back with their knees bent. It's, it's not a bad option. And this, my client came to me and said, I, I, like, I can't do posterior tilt work. I can't tuck my pelvis because I'm already forward in space. And that's what someone had told him. But I, I, I kind of disagree with that. Actually, I'm going to teach you how to tuck your pelvis without using your abdominals and without using your glutes. So that's the problem. It's not that you can't do it. It's that if I just let you do it the way you want to do it, then you're kind of going to just squeeze your glutes and push your hips forward again, all right? So if you are going to do breathing type of drills, firstly, maybe you don't get them to tuck the pelvis, but if you are going to get them to think about tucking the pelvis, then definitely abs need to be super soft, jelly belly, and they can't do it with their glutes. Now, this sounds like I'm getting anal about how they do something. I'm not, I just coach it. It takes me 30 seconds to explain it. It takes them three or four minutes to get it right, and once they get it right, they've got it right. If you are doing it in supine and you're going to do a small little hook line bridge or something like that, you need to make sure that these people have their feet elevated a little bit on something because now their feet are up higher than their pelvis, than their hips. So, But if you put their, their feet on the floor and then you do a small bridge, you again, you're pushing their hips. Oh, sorry, I thought my screen went off there. Again, you're pushing your hips up into the sky and you're leaving your feet behind so you're again teaching them to push their hips forward of their feet and their thorax so if you are doing a posterior tilt or a hook line bridge with these people their feet has to be have to be elevated on a one inch or two inch block or something like that okay so that that's not a bad option but the problem is they're not going to they might not get that much chest expansion in that position so maybe side lying is a better position to teach them how to do that get them kind of nice and stacked and lined up and then do some breathing there and they might get some chest expansion. So those aren't bad bad options. But what I go to pretty much straight away when I see something like this, a loss of hip flexion, I just teach them how to do a hinge. Usually a hinge either on two legs or in a, a kickstand RDL type of position. Other people will say maybe that, oh, like until you get their chest expansion back, they won't be able to hinge or until you get their flexion or their external rotation back, they won't be able to hinge. I disagree. I I don't want to be arrogant saying this. I'm really good at coaching a hinge. I just, it's not arrogant. It's just, I'm really good at coaching a hinge and teaching someone not to just anterior tilt to do it or not to do all kinds of funny things, but just to get them to get that stretch into the back of the hip, 
their glute starts to go crazy, they start to feel length there, and then they come back up and they get hip extension. And then they go back in, they get hip flexion deep into the glute. If they don't feel a stretch in the glute there, I can guarantee you they're not doing it properly. They will feel, they will be able to get a stretch in the hamstring, but they're not actually getting deep into the fibers, um, into the glute fibers or, or into the posterior hip. So I just teach them to hinge straight away. I don't, I don't usually go doing that much stuff on the floor or sideline or supine. You can do it. I would, if I was teaching people like a process to restore range of motion for someone, I would probably teach and say, look, sideline might be a good position or supine, but you have to make sure if they do any pelvis work, they're not using the glutes too much. But personally, if I was doing it with someone, so like I would teach a process of taking them all the way through um, and restoring range of motion and then if they had pain or whatever, like fixing up that and getting them back into doing whatever they wanted to do. But personally, I would just get them to hinge on session one, first exercise, right, I'm going to teach you how to hinge. Usually when I say it, like that comes with a disclaimer, which is you're going to teach, I'm going to teach you how to hinge. You're going to hate me for two reasons. I literally said this to an athlete this morning. It wasn't a sway back person, but another athlete. And um, you're going to hate me for two reasons. Reason number one, I'm very particular with how I teach uh, this hinge. So like, don't, don't hate me or hate me a little bit as we go along, but we'll both accept that it's going to take five minutes to get it right. And when we get it right, you're going to hate me number two because it's going to be disgusting. You are going to feel your glute load like you've never felt before. So that's just my kind of disclaimer. And then they, like when I'm nit, kind of nitpicky about how they do their hinge, then they don't mind because I already explained, I'm going to be nitpicky with how, how we do your hinge. So I teach them how to hinge straight away. They get, if they don't, if they get a stretch in the hamstring and not the glute, we're not doing it right. We're not doing this hinge to actually just teach someone to get stronger hamstrings or anything like that, which isn't a bad thing. It's not a bad option. We, in this case, we are doing the hinge to teach them how to open up the back of the hip, stretching the glutes, not in a traditional stretch, a pigeon pose or anything like that, in an actual loaded uh, RDL or something like that. We are teaching them to open up the back of the hip. And if we don't see an improvement in hip flexion then we probably haven't done it right but we will do it right and we will get that improvement so yeah it's not it's not that we're just doing a hinge and we're just going to hinge the way everyone else does it if they hinge and they don't actually hinge their hips they just extend through their back that's fine if you're going doing a deadlift and you're talking about getting stronger if you want to restore range of motion and um, teach someone how to use their hips a bit better then it has to be a hip hinge which means that they need to be able to feel initially at least feel that stretch in the back of the glute some people will say sensation-based training isn't the way to go. Like if they don't feel the back of the hip, that doesn't mean that they're not loading the back of the hip. I would disagree in this case that actually there's been no one ever that I haven't been able to get them to really feel a deep stretch in the glute with a little bit of, um, just with a little bit of good cueing and a bit, bit of good coaching. So I would massively disagree with the people that say that. I think that they, that's, that's a lazy thing to say, like, okay, just because someone doesn't feel it doesn't mean it's not loading. Actually, why is it the case that I've never had someone that couldn't get that feeling deep in the glute? And once they feel it, they say, I've never felt that before. And it's because they never moved in that way before. All right. So um, what else would I say there? Yeah, just with regards, like, being a lot of people will talk about people being forward in the gait cycle. So you could break the gait cycle into three parts if you wanted, like, early, mid and late stance. Um, or heel strike mid and late. A lot of people would talk about, oh, they just throw out like someone is forward in the gait cycle. But the question you need to start asking yourself is, ask yourself is, 
what is forward in the gait cycle? What is pushing them forward? And in this case, the hips and the back of the pelvis is, push, is pushing them forward. They might present with um, the hips anterior shifted forward like that, but the chest is back, right? They might present with the hips driven forward, but a lot of the time, or some of the time at least, you'll see hyperextended knees, so that's what's bringing them back. So, yeah, so there's there's kind of a mismatch there. So don't just throw out this oh, forward in the gait cycle. Actually look and say, what is forward? What is forward? What do I need to bring back? And maybe I need to bring something else forward. So the good, also the good thing about the hinge is you're going to get your chest expansion. If you can get that, if you can teach a good hinge, you're going to get that chest expansion, presuming you just don't fake it by going into a massive extension in the spine, which is what a lot of people will try and do. Uh, so nice deep hip flexion, get the glutes to stretch in a kickstand RDL and like that one exercise will be disgusting for a full month. You do it every day for a month, you'll start to feel glutes actually gl grow and load, you'll start to feel hamstrings get stronger, um, you'll start to feel chest expansion and you'll get back a huge amount of hip flexion. So that's what I would uh, that's what I would say there. And if you are going like doing some breathing drills and stuff, yeah, you might need to do like a gentle posterior tilt. Maybe not, but you just have to make sure that's not being done with the glutes because that's just pushing forward instead of that kind of stacked position. Um, so that's all I'm going to say about that. I hope that helps. Mostly, don't label someone as being in a posture, sway back posture, or any other posture. It's not helpful. We can say. Okay, here's what you're good at, and here's what you're not good at. We're going to focus on doing more of what you're not good at. We're going to open up some hip flexion. We don't need to label someone to do that. Um, hope that makes sense. So, second question. Who would you bring on a desert island for a week? So, that's my generic question. Who would I bring on a desert island for a week? Um, I would bring... I thought about this a lot. After our workshop that I did in our, in our gym, I had 20, 20 therapists there coaches and therapists are 17 and I was thinking about it afterwards the reason I was thinking about it was not that exact question but I'm going to give a shout out to Johnny the movement maestro in Belfast right because I was talking to Kira afterwards and it was the first time she met Johnny and we went out for dinner and all that stuff like all of us went out for dinner and drinks and stuff afterwards and he just has an energy which is a really good energy where if you're around him you'll just get a buzz off him and you'll feel, you'll feel good, you'll be happier when you're around him. And the next day I said to Kira, I don't know what Johnny does with his clients. I know he puts up some clips on Instagram and stuff like that. But like, what does a full session look like? I don't know. It could be, in my eyes, it could be really good. It could be bad. It could be good, okay, whatever. But I said to Kira, I guarantee you that his clients are buzzing going into him and buzzing leaving him because he has a certain energy about him. And I think that's so important. And I, I, I try and work on that. I don't have that same energy where like I just light up a room when I walk into it or anything like that. I don't have that. But I try and kind of work on it a little bit. I'm never going to be like, that's not my personality. But I think it's a really important, especially in the rehab or pain world or something like that. People have poor energy when they come into you. So you need to be someone that is able to bring up the energy and give them hope. And they're looking forward to coming in to see because it's not it's not that you'll because like there is plenty of rehab professionals or physios or therapists or whatever that actually when someone comes into them the energy drops and that's kind of their strategy to make them that person feel like you're or you're in big trouble here or something like that. They kind of bring them into this semi-depressive state or more of a depressive state. 
to try and get them to think like, okay, I'm screwed here. I need to rely on this person. I don't want to be that person. I want to be the person that brings up people's energy. And some people are really good at that. So all of that is to say, if I was, so that's what set me thinking about my desert island question. And I was thinking, who is the best person maybe in the world at like bringing up that energy and changing people's state? And I think my answer is Tony Robbins is probably very good at that. He's been doing that for, what, 30 years or something or maybe more. And he hasn't really changed his gig. He hasn't, he's one person who hasn't reinvented himself. A lot of these celebrities that are on the speaking tour or, or like writing books and stuff like that, they reinvent themselves every five or 10 years and suddenly they're talking about something different. Tony Robbins, maybe, you know, maybe he has, maybe he hasn't, but it doesn't seem like he's done that massively. It seems like his shows have been pretty similar and if you watch any of the footage he definitely understands energy you you might hate what he does you might like what he does but you have to you have to admit or agree that he has really good energy and he's able to get people pumped and he's able to get people to change their state very very quickly and i think if i had a week on a desert island to learn from someone like that is a superpower to be able to get people into a good mood or a better mood or see a bit of positivity in their life or give them back a bit of hope and change their state and kind of scramble the maybe negative thoughts that they're feeling about themselves or their situation in the pain world the first thing you need to do is give someone back a bit of hope often they've especially in my world where like I'm not just seeing every day every Annie Joe Soap who just hurt their back yesterday and they're coming in, oh my back is sore. I'm seeing people who have had a sore back for 10 years and they've seen 30 professionals, doctors, ha- had a surgery or been told their only hope is surgery and they're completely just, they've lost hope and they come in and often they say, oh well I just said I'd try you or your friend or your friend, your friend or my friend told me to, to come in and either they'll say, you're my only hope, you're my last hope, or I don't think I have any hope, but I'm going to give it a try. I don't like when they say, you're my only hope. I I always kind of try and combat that and say, no, there's loads of brilliant people out there. Let's just, let's just see what we we can do. But either way, the energy is kind of low and they're, they're struggling a bit. So to be able to change that state and give people back hope, if you can do that in session one, you don't even need to it doesn't matter what you do to treatment wise or movement wise, if you can give them back hope and, and say, like, maybe you're not as bad as you thought, or I really think there is some big progress that we can make and maybe maybe things just haven't been haven't been done as well as they could have in the past or something like that. Don't don't shit on the previous professions that worked with them. Just say, here's here's why I think maybe that hasn't worked and here's some things that we're gonna work on and I really think that there's some big improvements that we can make and there's a lot of hope for you yet. And then you focus them on their end goal, which is like, I want to get back to playing tennis. You try and take away that thought process of just pain all the time, pain, 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 pain. Focus them on something that they love doing and we'll talk about that and we'll explain how the rehab plan and process is going to relate to that. See how this exercise we're doing is going to help you maybe be able to bend your knee a bit more or be able to bend your back a bit more or whatever. So we're giving them back hope. So, and trying to change their state very quickly and that, I think if you can lay good movement and good strength training on top of uh, someone who has a little bit more hope and who isn't catastrophizing what's going on as much, then those 
you might call that placebo maybe it is placebo but placebo is an incredibly powerful drug and if we can if we can give people hope and then layer on our strength and layer on our movement on top of that then i'm happy if that's if you want to call that placebo i'm absolutely happy with that i'm going to use that as a tool for my disposal at my disposal rather than actually nociboing someone and making them lose hope so either way you are going to placebo someone or nocebo them no matter what you do you're going to do one or the other even if you don't realize it so i'm going to choose placebo and mostly i'm not trying to trick people i'm not trying to say i'm placeboing them when or i'm not trying to trick them i'm actually just trying to say i'm being honest with them i be, i genuinely believe that we can make big progress here and i'm just aware that my powerful my words are so i think tony robbins he can change state better than anyone else and uh, i'd love to learn from him i kind of laughed at people when i was in, living in australia my boss spent like three grand to go to one of his weekend workshops and I was laughing and I was like it's not worth it you could just watch what you watch on YouTube and I just didn't understand that like being in the room and feeling that energy how powerful that is and she came back did she apply anything that he said really no but she was on a buzz for six weeks after it so just that buzz alone is worth it I think getting that buzz six weeks like for for of unbelievable energy to for for three grand is worth it uh, definitely so i hope that uh, answer is helpful so just think about that for me change in state and I, actually i'm going to give you a bit more insight into that actually now that i so he, he, more practical right so how do i how do i do that with people i was talking to kira about this recently as well as well so let's say i, I buy petrol or diesel in the shop and i go into the shop I fill up, I go into the shop and I pay with my card and there's someone behind the counter and they just look like they don't have a smile on their face or whatever. When I pay and I say thank you, I say legend, legend, I always use that word, you're a legend, thank you very much and they kind of perk up a bit, they're like, oh, I wasn't expecting to hear that. Or when someone does like just a meaning, meaning, relatively meaningless task, I order a sandwich and they give me a sandwich, I say Oh, unreal legend thank you so much and similarly i think that's cool i think you can give someone a bit of a g up by doing that give him a bit of a g up and say yeah you're a legend or that's unreal thank you so much or like just something give them a g up i always use that word legend with people and what i do is in clinic let's say it doesn't work that well with athletes right because athletes they they they, they kind of it works it works well enough but if if it's someone who's doesn't feel like they're as athletic recently or they've been injured for a while or hurt or something like that and I get them to do some reps of a squat or a hinge or whatever it is some single leg movement or something like that and they're like I'm, I'm pushing them a little bit they could do three reps and they come up and they're always thinking like oh my three reps because of the state thing again like that should be four reps or that should be six reps or I'm so weak or something like that and they're like coming up from the last rep and I go go on go on go on push 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 and then I'm like unreal you're you're a fucking animal or you're a legend or something like that and they're like am i really a legend i mean always like they think that and they're like oh i don't know i don't know i'm i'm pretty weak and i always say like no like i had a i had a really good athlete in earlier and i was doing that same exercise with them and they were struggling too like this is not easy and honestly usually the stuff i give them is not easy if you've done any of it so I'm like, you're a fucking legend, you're an animal, or unreal, or keep going, or push, 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 or you're way better than you thought you were, you're way stronger than you thought you were. 
the, the confidence that that gives someone, the little G up that that gives someone, it doesn't take any more time. It doesn't take any more effort on my part. So you're doing your split squat and it's, they're destroyed or they're doing their foam roller bridge and they've done 10 seconds and I'm like, go on, you fucking, you're an animal. Go on, keep going, you're an animal, you're an animal. They love that. People love that. Everyone loves getting a G up like that. So they're just little things that I use in clinic every single day. I don't even realize I'm saying it anymore. I'm always telling people, legend, animal, you're a fucking machine. Like people love that, especially when they're not as athletic as they think they should be. And then I always preface it, like if they're struggling a bit, how hard a professional athlete found that earlier. And like that feels great for people. They're like, yeah, maybe, maybe this is hard. Maybe I'm not as bad as I thought. So change in state, Tony Robbins, calling people legends, calling people animals, calling people machines, even to fell in the gas station. I think it's cool. I feel good after it. They feel good after it usually. And I may as well be nice to people and give them a G up rather than anything else. So yeah, so that's what I bring on the island. Most important skill for Instagram, what do I think it is? Uh, storytelling so storytelling is by far the most important that means like reading and writing well basically that's storytelling so think about it even if you're making a reel even if you're making a reel like there is a hook right so I think the thing is you have three seconds basically to, to make an impression on someone so in the reel you've your first three seconds to make an impression on someone so that's the hook in the story if you sit in a room with all people and you go to try and tell a story and you don't actually you're not you're not loud enough or charismatic enough or you can't get people's attention in that first three seconds you'll kind of go and tell a story and then you'll kind of oh, waver off because no one really listens to you so on instagram like catching people's attention in in that first two to three seconds it might not even be three is so important so you need to think that and that's storytelling that's getting a hook in there like something that catches someone's attention straight away and when you write your caption that needs to be the same that needs to be the same thing so like the caption that i wrote today wasn't great i'm just gonna have a look uh i just rushed it i always rush my captions but I think I'm, i think i am a decent storyteller i think all the rehab stuff all the movement stuff Everything else I talk about, it just, I think I'm around average intelligence, maybe slightly above average intelligence, um, but probably average intelligence in general. I wasn't particularly smarter than anyone else in school or anything like that, but I do think I'm an okay storyteller, mostly because I just read books as, as, a, as a child. Like, I devoured books like Roald Dahl and all these books. I just read them over and over again, and I loved books, and I think some of that storytelling like English in school was my best subject whenever I had to write an essay or something like that I usually did a good job and teacher said yeah your, your writing is really really good so that's something that I think is important but like that I put up a, a reel with Kate and it's re, in the in the start of the story is or of the reel is rehab or performance training question mark so I'm just kind of asking a question and then people so when I ask the question that's in that's across the front of the reel and then that's the first line of the caption as well, rehab or performance, question mark. So it kind of, it's hard to, kind, it's kind of hard to ignore it because you kind of want to see the answer. And I'm not even giving you the answer really, but it kind of, it kind of gets you in. And then what you should do, obviously, in the first few seconds of the reel is actually change the picture or change the video to the next thing. So that's, that's storytelling. I, want, I think about like every single Instagram post as 
like this is the book of David's business or career or whatever if you want to think about it like that so my Instagram is like the book of my kind of my life in some ways but it's the book of my job right and every post is is another page in that in that story and I'm just trying to tell the story about our brand our business how we like to work so every single page is a, is a is its own little story its own little part of a book on its on its by itself and you need to think about getting people in so that's like that question mark in the beginning or something that catches people eye it can be a visual it can be an audio something like that and then the caption the two most important parts of the caption are the start and the end so that's what people remember is the start and the end of things and yeah so the last couple of lines and the first couple of lines they're the two most important things and you're just telling that story so i think storytelling is the most important thing that goes for not just instagram but that goes for like any digital marketers they're obsessed with copywriting like how you get the subject line of an email right so that people open the email so so yeah, I sent out an email recently as well. I'm trying to get better at it. I'm not, I'm definitely not amazing at it, but what was the email I sent? Let me, let me see. It was a promo email. So you all didn't get it. Some people got it, some people didn't. Um, sorry, no, bear with me. Oh yeah, so it was, have you gone to the dark side? Question mark was the subject line in my, in my email. And then I just wrote an email about that for people that haven't signed up for DGR Interactive. So have you gone to the dark side? Question mark. If I just put it in the subject line, DGR Interactive or DGR membership, like who's going to open it? If I put in, have you gone to the dark side? Question mark. Probably a lot of people are going to open it because they're like, what the fuck is David talking about? So the one thing with Instagram or emails or something like that is you can't be boring. If you're boring, no one will read anything. If you're... If you're like, have you gone to the dark side or something like that? Some people will hate you for it. Some people won't fell email back. This is cringy. And I just send him back a laughing face. But like, so, so he got an emotional reaction to that, which means that was a negative emo- emotional reaction. Other people got a positive emotional reaction. And some people wrote back, uh, what did Jill, I have Jill's email here in front of me. What, what the actual fuck? Ha 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 ha. This is so great. You actually got me to not open the email not only open email but click and seriously consider joining well done and other people said this is the best email i've ever read the best marketing email i've ever read so the one thing is you can't be boring all right and that's why storytelling i think is so important and that's why comedians are so good to watch because they're able to kind of hook you in and then they go off on a tangent and then towards the end of the of the story they kind of bring it all back and 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 give the give the the punchline when it seems like they forgot about the thing they were talking about in the first place. They're able to circle it all back. So storytelling is key in Instagram, in like marketing on your website, in your emails, and it's also key in your um with regards to clients. John is coming in to get his car keys. It's also key with regards to clients. So storytelling in regards to clients. You have to scramble the story that they're telling themselves. So again, like I'm saying about the state thing, they're coming in, they have a story in their mind, which is they're broken, they're fucked, they're never going to back, get back to where they want to be, blah, blah, blah. You have to be able to, your story that they, you have to be able to reframe their story and tell them a better story that gives them hope. And you have to, some people, that's why some people go into the pain science stuff and that story is never powerful enough because they use these fancy terms and mumbo jumbo and language and stuff like that that people don't understand 
how can you get someone to buy into a story if they don't understand the words that you're saying? So your storytelling, you can talk about pain science, but it has to be done in a really good, smart way that actually has a hook that actually helps them maybe fill in some of the gaps of the story themselves where you ask some inquisitive questions where it's like, mm, why, why, like, why do you think that happened? Or can you see where, can you see why like, or when, when you try and do this with your ankle, that it's not really moving the way it should be. Um, and maybe, maybe your back pain started after you hurt this ankle or your knee pain started after you hurt this ankle two years ago. And they're like, oh yeah, like actually that starts to make sense. And now we have a new story rather than just I'm broken. Maybe it's, this is an opportunity for us to rehab this ankle and this knee. And now you're going to be hopefully better than ever. So that's a kind of a crappy example. But anyway, storytelling. And then the last question was, um, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. Uh, what do you think since your first 25, 20, 20 episodes, what would you have done differently? The, the easiest answer here is I would have started my podcast sooner. If I knew, I'm very bullish on podcasting. I think it's going to be a huge, I think people think like you're too late to the game. Everyone has a podcast. Yeah, that's true. Some people have a podcast, a lot of podcasts out there, but I think it's only going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I think I'm, I listen to podcasts a lot. I'm definitely someone who consumes podcasts a lot more than Instagram or YouTube or anything like that. And I think these episodes are hopefully going to be there forever. People find me today. And they can go back from episode one and listen to all the episodes if they want. And suddenly they've listened to 20 hours of me and my guests and stuff talking. And they're definitely going to be bought in. Like if they listen to that much, they're probably going to like me and like my point of view. And if they don't, they won't. So the work is done. Every episode I do, it's going to be there forever. Whereas I spoke about this before, but every time I do an Instagram post after a few days, it's gone. So I'm bullish on this as my longer form kind of evergreen content. And um, other people use YouTube for that, but I'm much more bullish on podcasting because it suits me a bit more. But yeah, the, the basic thing is I would have started it sooner. I would have started it a year ago, a year ago probably if I knew um, if I knew how good it was going to be. So that's all the questions that I'm going to go over. Sway back, Tony Robbins, uh, most important skill, hook line, or most important skill, storytelling um, and then starting a podcast that would have started sooner so hope that makes sense hope everyone is happy with that let me know if you have questions please share this episode um, I wouldn't mind if you could just share it with one person or uh, do me two things do me one of two things share this podcast with one person or on your Instagram or any of our podcast episodes that you liked please or go on to Spotify and click five stars that, that takes like half a second. Just give me one half of a second. Um, or if you're on Apple Podcasts, go and click, uh, write, write a little review. I read them all, I promise, I read them all. So go and write a little review. David's podcast is amazing, blah, 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 blah. Thank you. All right, so do one of those two to three things. It would take 10 seconds, I would appreciate it. And then the other thing is, don't forget to go and sign up for DGR Interactive. We are absolutely pumping in the members at the moment. Things are going really well. Um, I did a video yesterday on using cardio to restore range of motion. So I talked about the rowing machine, the, the bike, when I would use the assault bike with someone, when I would use the rowing machine with someone, and then the ski erg, and then the three kind of ways that I would use the ski erg. So there's more of, a, there's more of an abduction option, abduction, ad, adduction, frontal plane option, 
there's more of a hingy kind of option and then there's more of a, a regular option which is how everyone else uses it so i talk about the, those three ways we have lee taft's video gone up last week which is all about the 180 series and so much other content going up every single week so um so yeah make sure you please join us there use the code dgr podcast for 20 percent off at dgr interactive and apart from that i am going to go for a nice walk so i hope that was helpful to everyone and i'll talk to you soon